0: Snuff
1: Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. Tom early with you, joined by Katrina Blowers. And uh, you're taking us into dreamland today, Katrina.
2: Yeah, so normally when people tell you about their dreams, it ranks as one of the most boring conversations <laughs> in the world. I don't know but about this... that. this... <laughs> what? You can't tell people about your dreams. No one cares mm. except you. <laughs> but this is... Really fascinating. It's all about lucid dreaming and scientists who've done some amazing research where they've been able to enter into people's dreams, kind of like that movie Inception, and get them talking and solving problems.
0: A lucid dream is defined quite simply as a dream when you know that it's a dream while you're still in the dream. So it means you can continue to have the dream with the knowledge that what you're doing is actually dreaming, not experiencing something in your waking state.
2: Yeah, so these scientists uh, reckon that you can even potentially um, learn new skills in your dream. You mm. could help cure PTSD. And also, athletes could use this research to mentally rehearse techniques so they can feel what it's like to do new things. Super fascinating. And they also tell us how to have a lucid dream. So that's coming up in the second half of the briefing today.
1: Wow, that is so interesting. Is, it's almost like, I mean, is this the right uh, kind of analogy? It's almost like playing yourself in a video game?
2: Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. And um, I've since since—I've since had a lucid dream since doing this interview. Mm. So um, be super curious to hear what you think of this today.
1: Well, I'd love for you to tell me all about it, but apparently dreams are boring. So let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> it is Wednesday, November the 9th. Uh, before we get into that, here are today's headlines.
2: Well, Americans will vote in their midterm elections today in what promises to be a very tight race.
1: Yeah, as we heard in yesterday's briefing, all the seats in the country's House of Representatives and a third of the Senate seats are up for re-election. Both houses are controlled by Democrats at the moment, but it's likely to swing the other way, especially in the House of Reps. That'll make it very hard for Joe Biden to pass any bills uh, throughout the rest of his term.
2: Yes, yeah, so the major issues Americans are voting on include the economy with inflation at 8.2%, uh, also abortion rights, immigration and democratic integrity.
1: And Donald Trump has announced that he'll make an announcement.
2: I'm going to be making a very big announcement on Tuesday, November 15 at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida. <laughs> He also sounded like he was speaking from heaven there with those Mm -hmm. organs in the background. Uh, You actually never know what Trump is going to say, but most people are expecting he will announce that he's running for office in the 2024 election.
1: Yes. So compared to other elections, that would be a very early call two years out from the election to do that. Um, One analyst I heard yesterday from the Brookings Institute said Uh, This could be a way of Trump politicising the FBI document case that he's fighting. So this would allow him to say that um, it's a political witch hunt. I'm talking about that case that led the FBI to raid his Mar-a-Lago estate for documents a few months Mm ago.
2: Yeah, well, without doubt, there'll be a lot of strategy behind whatever announcement he is set to make.
1: And a Sydney teenager has admitted that he used the Optus data breach to blackmail 93 people.
2: 19-year-old Dennis Sue pleaded guilty in court yesterday. He was supported by his family there. Uh, he sent text messages to the Optus customers after accessing their information online, posing as the hacker and asking for $2,000. The only problem, Tom, is that the bank account <laughs> that he used to link to the scam actually belonged to his younger brother. And then when uh, the people he was trying to scam didn't pay up, he he went to the branch to follow up.
1: Yeah, okay. He's had a shocker there. He faces up to 10 years imprisonment. He'll be sentenced in February.
2: A secret report into the former Liberal government's $100 million sports rorts program has been unearthed. This is the one that we were all waiting for. It's been released under freedom of information laws and it shows Scott Morrison was told in February 2020 the scheme had significant shortcomings and lacked transparency.
1: Yeah, and we found out why Bridget McKenzie, who was the minister at the time, got stood down. Uh, She was a member of a gun club and... Phil Gachins, in this review, found that she uh, didn't manage her conflict of interest properly. He also said, though, that he did not find evidence of pork barrelling, even though a previous Auditor General's report had. At the time, Scott Morrison refused to release this report in full, saying uh, it was a cabinet document, but we do know he's released other (laughs) cabinet secrets. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there we are. We're getting a fuller picture of what happened in the sports rorts program.
2: I've got to say though, it wasn't as damning as mm. I expected it to be. I actually thought the Auditor General's report was probably a little more scathing. Oh, so way more. this didn't shed as much uh, light on it as I thought that it would have. I guess it just confirms what we already knew. And the country's biggest plastic bag recycling program. So this is the one where if you shop at Coles or Woolies, they've got the bins there. Um, that's collapsed.
1: Yeah, so this is a story on the front page of the nine newspapers today. It reveals that RedCycle, this is the company um, who collects those soft plastics, has been stashing millions of bags in their warehouses and not recycling them. Um, they're citing unforeseen challenges exacerbated by the pandemic and that three of the companies that normally accept the plastic bags for recycling are no longer doing so.
2: So this is something, Tom, I feel, I kind of personally feel let down by because mm. I used those bins. I took my bags there because mm. normally, you know, I would have used those old bags for things like cat litter and <laughs> things like that. But I have actively been taking them there because they were saying that they were using them for roads and the surfaces that you have at playgrounds and things like that. So I thought this is a really worthy course. So I've been making the effort to do that. Um, this, of course, isn't the first time that that Australia's recycling industry has run into problems. There have mm. been issues like this in the past, and green groups are saying we are lagging behind the rest of the world and we're just not set up for this yet. So really disappointing. Um, the company says that it does not intend to send all of that stockpile to landfill, and it is committed to processing it at a later date, I guess. When is that going to happen, and will it go mm. to the right places?
1: Yeah, it is a really big effort because you already set aside one set of recycling that you know, goes out in your bins and then you have to collect a whole another set of recycling and go to the supermarket and to hear that it's not working is a, is a massive downer. I hope they can get it sorted. With the previous recycling crisis you mentioned, that was because we were sending it all to China to be recycled, mm. which basically pointed to the obvious fact that we needed to build much more capacity for recycling these materials here in Australia.
2: All right, Tom, we're going to say goodbye to you now and drift off into dreamland. Hey there, Katrina Blowers is here with you, and today we are going to dive into some mind-blowing research scientists have been doing in the field of lucid dreaming. They've actually spoken to people in their sleep, they've asked them to solve complex mathematical problems, and those people have responded. It's a bit like the real-life version of that movie Inception, where Leonardo DiCaprio enters into other people's dreams and interacts with them. In this research, which we're about to find out more about, scientists weren't doing anything sinister like in that movie where DiCaprio stole secrets from people's subconscious. But they do think being able to communicate with people while they're having a lucid dream has so much incredible potential. Things like helping people with PTSD overcome trauma, allowing elite athletes and performers to practice doing complex skills and helping us remember the things that we want to remember, like if we wanted to learn another language, we could practice that in our dreams. Ken Paller is the Professor of Psychology and the Director of the Cognitive Neuroscience Program at Northwestern University. He's been doing this research and he joins us on the briefing now. Ken, what is a lucid dream and does everyone have them?
0: A lucid dream is defined quite simply as a dream when you know that it's a dream while you're still in the dream. So it means you can continue to have the dream with the knowledge that what you're doing is actually dreaming, not experiencing something in your waking state. Surveys suggest that about half of the people surveyed have had a dream that was lucid dream at one point or another in their life. So it's not that rare, but it is rare for people to have them frequently.
2: So what are the characteristics of a lucid dream? Do you always remember that dream? Is there a time of night that you have this particular type of dream? Do the conditions have to be a certain way?
0: Well, one of the things that's most likely is that it's during a state of sleep called REM sleep. So that's when a lot of our dreams happen. And that seems to be when lucid dreams happen. And we have REM periods during the night maybe every hour and a half or so, but we tend to have long REM periods more in the morning than late at night. So therefore, most lucid dreams are probably sometime in the morning.
2: So given that you seem to be aware while you're having the dream that it is just a dream, is the content matter of lucid dreams most likely to be pleasant? Otherwise, I guess you'd choose to wake up, right?
0: You can try to wake up and you can also try to change the dream. So. Many lucid dreamers, if they're able to stay in a lucid dream for a while, will try to influence the dream content and create what they want to happen. Not that they have complete control, so they can't necessarily will exactly what's going to happen, but they do tend to have some power to make things happen, to meet people they might want to meet or to make certain uh, events happen in their dreams. So that's having some dream control, which is possible when you have a lucid dream. And maybe with some effort can be done in extreme ways to actually, you know, if you want to decide you want to fly, a lot of lucid dreamers seem to like to fly and just uh, with their ordinary body fly in the air. And they seem to be able to do that. You also asked whether people remember them. And we actually have an answer to that from our research, which is sometimes lucid dreams are not remembered. In fact, most of our dreams are not remembered. And we may dream many times every night. Everyone's doing that. But. Not everyone's remembering dreams and some people can remember more dreams than others. Uh, one reason for that is if you wake up in the midst of a dream, you're more likely to be able to remember it if you quickly think about the dream at that point. If you sleep pretty well and wake up later, you may not remember it. And Our results showed that some people had a lucid dream which we verified and then some minutes later we woke them up and they didn't recall it. So. That's the first evidence to say that people can have a lucid dream without remembering it when they wake up. And then we can continue to converse with them if we ask them questions and they can signal with their eyes or with a few other means what the answer is. And with that method, we can verify a lucid dream during the actual dream in real time rather than only having the dream report when they wake up.
2: See, this is incredibly fascinating to me that you've got that element of control over those rapid eye movements. Because when I've watched, say, my partner sleeping and he's in that REM state, it, it just kind of looks almost out of control. So do you have a conversation with the person first to say, all right, to the left means yes, to the right means no? How do you explain that process?
0: That's right. We will set up a plan in advance Usually this is someone sleeping in a sleep laboratory. So we're monitoring their sleep with various wires that are monitoring their brain activity and their muscle activity, maybe their breathing and their eye movements too. And with those measurements, we can determine what sleep stage someone is in. They might be in REM sleep. They might be in another set of stages we call non-REM sleep, which are either light sleep or deep sleep, stages one, two, and three, we call them. And With those measures, we know what state they're in so we can decide when we want to try to present sounds to them. In many experiments we've done, we present sounds during non-REM sleep, and our objective there is to study the memory processing that happens during non-REM sleep and to show that memories can be brought up and changed during that stage of sleep. Sometimes, maybe half the time, if we're lucky, people will realize they're in a lucid dream and then give us the signal that they... Memorize that they can tell us with their eye movements that they're in a lucid dream. We can play sounds, we can play speech, spoken words, questions, and they can answer back with their eye movements or their respiration or sometimes muscle twitches that they can make.
2: And I understand that people reported that external info seeping in in a number of different ways, like some people said that they heard maths problems coming out of a car radio and another person um, heard a voice kind of like a narrator. Uh, Describe for us the different responses.
0: So these are results that were obtained using slightly different methods in these four different labs and showing that we could all do some communication. And yes, as you mentioned, the sounds are heard kind of supervening on top of a dream. And they don't always get in. So sometimes maybe the dream is so interesting that the person dreaming doesn't pay enough attention to the sounds that are kind of soft in the environment where they're sleeping. So they don't quite hear it and it doesn't pervade their dream. But sometimes it does. And and again, our sounds are played softly because we don't want to wake people up. So play a loud sound, you're going to disrupt sleep. We try to get into the dream, you know, unobtrusively and... Then the sounds can be heard in a dream. Sometimes they're heard like they're just coming out of the ceiling. Sometimes one person from France, I think, thought it came from the uh, car radio because they were sitting in their car and the the sound came out of that. So it can kind of intrude in the dream, maybe in a way that makes sense.
2: So aside from being super fascinating, (laughs) what are the implications for this research?
0: Well, we're studying sleep to try to understand more about it. Why do we sleep every day? What are the benefits and what are the costs? What happens when someone's not sleeping well, not getting enough sleep, or maybe sleep just isn't working well for them? And that could be contributing to maybe psychiatric problems they're having or some other issues of depression that come up. And so we want to understand all about sleep. And one of the insights that's been growing more and more popular is that sleep is partly about memory. And so there are many reasons we sleep. There are many ways in which this helps us physically and, you know, makes us healthier when we wake up and so forth. Even our immune system benefits from sleep after you've had a vaccine, for example. But one of the benefits that we're interested in is how does sleep help your memory work. And we learn many things every day. You know, there are many potential memories we have, but we don't keep them all. We seem to be able to keep enduring memories now and then, but... Not all the time, and we're trying to think, what determines that? And we think what determines it is practice. The things you practice are the things you remember. And the insight here is that some of that practice happens while we're asleep, when we're not even trying to remember things. And so our sleep is part of when we rehearse information that we've acquired recently. We stir it up together with other knowledge we have from older memories and kind of try to make sense of it all. And through that mechanism, Hopefully, keep the memories that are going to be useful to us, the things we need to know for times in the future. And so that's part of what happens in sleep. And we can study that by presenting these sounds during sleep and trying to manipulate what happens and then measure what happens in the brain.
2: So, I guess things therapeutically, like um, PTSD, or I'm thinking, you know, elite athletes who mentally rehearse things. Could it be used for those types of things and I guess even potentially to mitigate dementia?
0: So you mentioned a negative example and a positive one. So in PTSD, if you're having some traumatic experience that still needs to be worked through, you might really have trouble doing that and you might have nightmares related to it. And so if we can intervene to help help people Sort of work through that and face their nightmares. In an lucid dream, you could decide to wake up or you could decide to go talk to the monster that's coming at you and try to figure out what it's all about and maybe get some resolution. As you mentioned, if you're working on a skill, maybe a little bit more practice would be interesting. You know, if you're a, a gymnast or a, a diver or something, you might want to practice your skill in your sleep. And if you do it in a dream, you could do it in slow motion and that might be even better practice for you. So, ways to practice things during our sleep. And I think that's an exaggeration of what everyone does. I think if you spend hours doing something while you're awake, chances are pretty good that your brain's going to come back to those memories during sleep. And that's, that helps with motor skill learning. It helps with uh, other types of intellectual learning as well. And so revisiting the things we've learned, we are understanding as a part of normal sleep and we're thinking about, well, what happens when that's not working well and are there ways to make it work even better? that could be helpful for people.
2: So do you reckon we've only just scratched the surface of what's possible here?
0: Well, you know, there's always a lot more to learn and that's why science is so exciting. There's so many questions to learn and we've learned a lot in the past that we didn't used to know and we're gonna learn a lot more in the future. So it's, you know, a continual process and there's always more questions to ask and things to find out about. We can certainly say that sleep is more important than we might've thought before. And that if you neglect your sleep, Well, that can be detrimental for your memory, for your health in other ways. And so we really should pay more attention to our sleep and sort of figure out, well, how much sleep do I really need and how do I make sure that I'm getting good sleep during the time I have?
2: That was Ken Pallor, who's the Professor of Psychology and the Director of the Cognitive Neuroscience Program at Northwestern University. He makes a good point for people, I guess, who do see sleep as a bit of a waste of time. (laughs) My dad used to always say, you sleep when you're dead. (laughs) So he was one of those people. Um, Bill Clinton, I think, only got four hours of sleep a night. But those types of overachievers could see sleep in a different way as a way of helping them during their wake life. So i um, really, really excited to see where this type of research leads us. Well, that's it from us today. Coming up on The Briefing tomorrow, why 2022 has been a really bad year if you're a billionaire. Who's been losing the most money? Listener